You ever thought about this, though? You ever thought about, um, you ever been around something so often, or, or maybe you hear something so often that it just becomes a little bit too familiar? You get so familiar with it, maybe it begins to lose some of its uh, meaning, it loses its importance, it doesn't take the, the weight that it truly should, maybe you even hardly notice it. Like, maybe for you, maybe like your weight or for me, your hairline keeps going further back, and you hardly notice it because you're just too familiar with it. In fact, uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I, we moved into our house. And when we moved into the house, my wife had a list. And the deal was, we're going to move in, but you got to finish this list. Well, on that list, there was some can lights. And when we had painted the house, I put tape over the can lights and I didn't tape it very well. So we pulled the tape off, and there's these strips of unpainted ceiling. And three years in, those same ceiling spots are still unpainted. Because isn't that kind of what happens? You just get too familiar with it, too comfortable with it, and you don't even hardly notice it anymore. Listen, I don't think it's good for us in marriage to get too familiar. But have you ever thought about maybe how so there are portions of Scripture, maybe the Christmas story, that we become maybe a little bit too familiar with? Maybe the story that we've heard again and again and again begins to lose its importance, lose its value, where we hear the same things and we're like, oh, I already know this. And so, in fact, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the passage that Adam just read for us this morning. The story of the, the magi, the wise men, who came to Jesus and they brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, let, let me just say this. My wife and I, we've got, we've got five babies Five babies. Not once did anybody bring us gold, frankincense, or myrrh. I don't know what's up with that. Like, why didn't we get those things? Now, we got those good things that you get for babies. People would give us diapers. They'd give us onesies and cute little outfits. They'd give us that little baby snot snucker, sucker. You know that thing? It's just the coolest baby toy. And it's one of those things, you squeeze it and it sucks all the snot out of a baby's nose. Now, the weird thing is, don't judge me, like, I have no problem doing that on the kids, but I'm kind of afraid to do it to myself. Like, what if I suck too hard and something else came out? Just weird, I know, it's weird. Uh, But if you had a baby, like, who would bring your baby gold, frankincense, and myrrh? But here's the thing, When when you have a gift, a good gift, a good gift tells a story. A good gift is not random. It's not something you just happen to go to the store and find and say, oh, this is going to work. A good gift, there's a meaning and a purpose behind it. In fact, years ago when Samantha and I were dating, uh, I would have sometimes just some down days, some days I wouldn't feel very good. And my wife bought me this this book called The Blue Day Book. And and it was a great little book because I could just open it up and there'd be this this picture of this is, uh, uh, man, this is just cute little animals and funny little stories, funny little sayings. The dumbest thing. But my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, bought me this book because she wanted to encourage me. There was a meaning behind it. She wanted me to have more good days. She wanted me to be able to get out of those dark days. Good gifts, they tell a story. There's meaning and thought behind them. This is why for us, as we think about this story that maybe we are overly familiar with, we hear about these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we're like, what does it have to do with Christmas and baby Jesus? We're going to look at this passage and understand uh, that these gifts were not random. These gifts were not random. They were useful for the family. But beyond that, more importantly than just being useful for the family, these gifts, they foreshadowed some of the roles that Jesus would have in his life. For example, in two weeks, we're going to look at the gift of gold. 
Now, the gift of gold, gold is valuable in itself. Gold is something that is fit for a king. That's why when you go to the palace in London, England, everything is plated in gold. There's gold all over the place. So this gift of gold foreshadows Jesus as the king of kings. The gift of myrrh uh, represented Jesus as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God. And we'll look at that next week. Today, we're going to talk about frankincense. Not Frankenstein. Make sure we get this clear. It is frankincense. Before I tell you about the meaning of frankincense, though, uh, let me tell you a little bit about frankincense because I've got some essential oil advisors that I called up. Actually, I Googled. That's what I did. I I Googled. And and this is what I learned about frankincense. You can buy frankincense today. You can buy it. Here's what it's used for, according to my essential oil advisors. It is kind of a jack-of-all-trades essential oil. So it can be used as an antiseptic, a diuretic, It can be used for your digestive purposes. It can be used for that. Uh, Frankincense can be used to heal sickness. It can treat wounds. Uh, Frankincense, if used topically, it can help uh, your skin have a uh, a radiant appearance. Obviously, I use it every day. That's how my face looks so wonderful like this. In addition to that, frankincense also had a spiritual use. In the Old Testament of the Bible, Uh, The priest would offer, uh, uh, during the sacrifices, the priest would burn frankincense as an incense. It would burn it as an incense, and as that smoke was rising up to heaven, it symbolized the prayers of the people going up to heaven as their faith in God. And so they burned this as a representation to the prayers going up to God. And so for us, as we're looking and saying, what is the meaning of frankincense being given to Jesus? Bible scholars agree that the gift of frankincense, it foreshadows Jesus being our high priest. Jesus as the great high priest. In fact, that's exactly what the book of Hebrews calls Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, So let us hold fast uh, our confession. Let us hold fast to our faith. See, that text, it calls Jesus the high priest. Not just just the priest, not just the high priest. He calls it the great high priest. Now for us to understand why they would call Jesus the great high priest, let's just pause for a little bit and let me help you understand what a priest does. If you want to, essentially a priest, their essential role is they were a representative representation before God. And so if I'm a priest, I represent the people before God. So I would go to God on on the people's behalf. Now, if you want to get into details of what a priest does, read the book of Leviticus. It's a really good read. You can sit down and hear everything that a priest does. I'll summarize it for you. Two roles of the priest, two primary functions of the priest. Number one is they would make sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. That's what one of the things a priest would do. The second thing a priest would do is they would pray prayers or they would mediate with God on our behalf. So they would go before God, they'd pray for us, they they mediate between us and God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus, because the gift of frankincense, it points to Jesus being our high priest. We're going to understand how Jesus accomplished those two things. How he offered a sacrifice for our sin and how he mediates Uh, with God for us. The first one is understanding how Jesus sacrificed for our sin. Now, for us to grasp this idea of a sacrifice, we need to understand that there are these two opposing forces in our world. 
All right, for us to understand why sin is significant, there's these, these two opposing forces. On, on one side, you've got the holiness of God. The holiness of God. On the other side, you've got the sinfulness of man. There's these two opposing, opposing forces. They're going back and forth in this battle again and again and again. The holiness of God over here. The holiness of God simply means that God is separate. That God is, is so separate than us, tra- transcendently separate. That means he is, he is beyond or surpassing anything we can imagine. He is perfect. He is flawless. He is pure. There's no fault. There's no wrong in him. He is completely holy and, and separate and perfect, something that we have a hard time grasping. Because here's Jesus, or here's God, holy, and on the flip side, here's us. And we look at the sinfulness of mankind. Now again, let's just be honest here. We don't like talking about sin. We don't. We don't like talking about sin. We don't like acknowledging sin. Instead, what we do is we try and, and minimize our sin. We're like, well, I didn't really sin. I just made a mistake. It's just a little mistake. Or we justify our sin. Or we say, well, well, you just don't understand me. If you understand what I was going through, then you know I didn't really sin. It's really not that big of a deal. Or we look at sin and we're like, well, who's to tell me what sin is? If it feels good to me, it's got to be right. No one can tell me hey, what sin is. But here's the truth. In the book, of Ro- the book of Romans, in the scriptures, it says all of us have turned away from God. We've turned away from God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, what we try and do, we spend our lives trying to, to minimize sin. We try and control sin. We try and fix sin on our own. And it just never works. Sin is constantly there. And so here, you've got these opposing forces. You've got the holiness of God, and you've got the sinfulness of mankind. And here's the thing. We will never understand or grasp the holiness of God. Or if we do not understand and grasp the holiness of God, if we do not understand the holiness of God, we will never realize the cost and the tragedy of our sin. If we don't understand that God is so separate and holy and perfect, then we will never understand just how, how, how deep our sin problem is. And if we fail to acknowledge the holiness of God, then we will continue to have a casual approach to sin. And see, it's because God is holy, it's because God is separate, that he can't be around sin. That's because God is this holy and he can't be around sin. And that's, this is why God hates sin so much. Because we are sinners. And so that forces him to be separated from us. God hates sin because it separates us from him. And because of that separation, God came up with a way to deal with that sin problem. And so what he would do is he would have the priest. The priest on the Day of Atonement... They would take an animal, a a sinless animal, and they would sacrifice that animal on the altar. They would light the frankincense. They'd allow the smoke to rise up to heaven, representing the cries of the people. And then the priest would take the blood of that animal, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, giving a, a, a picture to symbolize the death of the innocent animal in place of the guilty ones. And so that animal would be sacrificed and his death would be counted towards the people as the guilty ones, as the payment for sin. That's how God dealt with the sin problem. The issue was when when that priest would offer that sacrifice, it was only a temporary payment. 
that priest would have to do it again and again and again. Every year, time and time again, that priest would have to offer another sacrifice, another one. It wasn't enough to be done once and for all. But check this out. Here's, here's what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Every priest, he stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, never able to take away sin. See, the priest would never be able to sit down because the priest would always have to be ready to offer another sacrifice and another one because these sacrifices, these animals, were only a temporary payment for sin. But look what verse 12 says. Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, so much so that he sat down at the right hand of God. Look at verse 14. He says, for by a single offering, he is perfected uh, for all time, those who are being sanctified. Jesus didn't offer an animal as a temporary sacrifice. He offered himself. He offered a holy, perfect son of God as the sacrifice for sin, which satisfies the justness of God, satisfies God's punishment for sin, while also being able to extend us mercy, allowing us to be restored into a relationship with God. In fact, I want to invite my son Jackson to come up. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of visual for, for what Jesus is trying to, to tell us what he did. So I've got this amazing sweatshirt right here. Uh, this sweatshirt, is it a nice sweatshirt? It's not a trick question. No, it's not. It's gross. It's got stuff all over it. It, smel it smells like a junior high locker room. It doesn't smell very good at all. This is a sweatshirt I wear when I'm doing outside projects, uh, dirty stuff. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to take this sweatshirt. I'm going to put this on my son and put this on him like that. And that looks good. And this represents us. This represents us in our sin. Now, I've got this jacket on today right now. This jacket is a little bit nicer. It's a little bit nicer. It's clean. There's no stains on it. It doesn't smell too bad. It smells a little bit like Hugo Boss from the last time I wore this thing. I don't know. I don't have Hugo Boss. I've got Target. That's what I wear. I wear Target, right? But it looks a little bit different. But, but here, here is a picture of what Jesus did for us, okay? Jesus, the high priest, he takes this nasty jacket that represents our sin and our rebellion, and he takes it off of himself, takes it off of us, and he takes his jacket, his clean, his perfect jacket, and he puts that jacket on us. And he takes this nasty jacket and he puts it on himself. So what Jesus does is he takes our dirty sinfulness and puts it on himself. And instead he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his righteousness. Can you guys give Jackson a big round of applause? Thank you, Jackson, for coming up. Thanks, man. Let me take that with you. This is what Jesus has done for us. We're now God. God looks at us and he doesn't see this. He doesn't see the, the dirtiness and the stains. He sees the jacket that Jesus gave us. The, the perfect righteousness. And now Jesus is able to wear this jacket to pay the penalty for all these mistakes and all these things that we did and all the dirtiness that's all over us. This is a sacrifice that Jesus made for us once and for all to satisfy 
the wrath of God. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see this anymore, he sees that. That is the sacrifice that Jesus made as the great high priest. Once and for all. Not something he has to do again and again. Once and for all, he took our jacket on himself, paid the penalty to give us his. That's Jesus, the high priest, offering a sacrifice for us. But offering sacrifice is not all that Jesus did. Jesus also offers prayers and, and, and mediates between God and our behalf. In fact, look at this. Uh, Hebrews, look what Hebrews has to say uh, about Jesus here. Hebrews chapter 4, chapter four, verse 14. Jesus says, or God says, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast to our confession. Check this out. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Scripture just said that Jesus has been tempted and struggled in every way that we have. And I I hope, all of us here today listening, I hope that we understand and embrace that truth. That whatever it is that you are going through, whatever it is you are facing, Jesus understands. This relates to to whatever trials we're going through. He sympathizes whatever pain we have. Whatever is weighing you down this Christmas season, whatever you're facing in this very moment, Jesus understands that. In fact, Jesus, Jesus knew stress and anxiety. The Christmas season brings stress and anxiety over us. Jesus knew stress and anxiety. In fact, the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus went and he he prayed. He knew it was coming. And Jesus fell to the ground because his soul was overwhelmed in agony and stress and anxiety because of what was coming. Jesus knew what it was like to be judged. Jesus was born out of wedlock to a teenage mom. That would have been scandalous in his day. Can you imagine what the junior high kids would have said about him because of that? Jesus lived in poverty. He was criticized. He was ridiculed. He was bullied. Jesus was, was tempted by Satan when he was at his weakest. And as most vulnerable state, Satan came and tempted him. Jesus understands what we go through. Man, how many of you have to deal with crazy people in your family? Right? Jesus had crazy people in I think this may be a spiritual principle. Every family has a little bit of crazy in it, right? Raise your hand if you got some crazy in your family. If your hand's not raised, you might be the crazy one. Just saying. I think it's a spiritual principle. There's crazy in every family. Listen, Jesus had crazy in his family. Jesus came and Jesus said, listen, I'm the Messiah. And his family is like, dude, you're, you're a lunatic. You're a maniac. Jesus grieved those close to him who died, who passed away, those he loved who were no longer with him. Jesus was accused of things he did not do. Jesus was betrayed by friends. Listen, whatever you feel, Jesus felt. Wherever you you hurt, man, Jesus hurt there too. And so Jesus, as our great high priest, it says he sympathizes with us. He understands, he comprehends, he has compassion on us on that. And because Jesus, as a high priest, because he gave his life, because he paid that penalty once and for all, 
to take our sin, to, to take our nasty jacket on himself and to give us that nice jacket. Because Jesus offered himself as that sacrifice. And because Jesus experienced the pain of being human, because he knew the emotions of being rejected, the agony of feeling hurt and alone, of feeling abandoned, because of those things, verse 16, Hebrews 4, 16 Said us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, let me ask you this. Where's, after Jesus offers a sacrifice, where does Jesus go? He goes to the right hand of God. He sits down at the right hand of God. And what do you think he's doing? Do you think he's sitting up there looking down at us? Looking down at us and man, man, sucks to be those people. And look how terrible they are. Ha <laughs> ha, look at that. No. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding with God on our behalf. He's talking to God on our behalf. He's pleading with God for us. He's saying, listen, I know them. I died for them. God, would you give them compassion? Would you extend mercy to them? Would you help them? They're mine. I gave them my coat. I took theirs on myself. He is interceding on our behalf at the right hand of God. And because of that, we as sinful people, we can approach that holy God without fear. But we can approach him with a relationship because Jesus is the great high priest. See, that gift of frankincense is pointing to Jesus as the high priest. And his role as a high priest enables us to come boldly before the throne of God, to come before God for mercy and a help in our time of need. And what that means for you and I, what that means for us, is because of Jesus, you need to hear this, God is for you. Because of Jesus, God is for you. God sees you. You might face some difficult circumstances. You might be afflicted, but you won't be crushed. You might be perplexed, but not driven to despair. You might be persecuted, but you won't be forsaken. You might be struck down, but you will not be destroyed. Because we have a high priest who is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us, praying for us, pleading with God on our behalf. In fact, we come to this point of the sermon, and this is typically where we have the point of application. That's where typically it's, here's five ways for you to do this. Here's five things you need to do to apply this and pursue whatever it is. But you know, as I thought about the gift of frankincense this week, pointing to Jesus as our high priest, Pointing to Jesus as a sacrifice once and for all for sin. Pointing to Jesus as a mediator between us and God. I thought five steps was too, too much. So I have a very simple application for us today. It almost is going to be too simple. But I believe it will be incredibly powerful. What I want you to do today is I want you to simply come boldly into God's presence. Not timidly, not fearfully. I want us to 
to boldly come into the presence of God. In fact, let me give you a picture of what it looks like to come boldly into God's presence. As I already said, I've got five kids. I love my kids to death. So thankful for the opportunity to be a dad. We've got one girl, one little red-haired girl, red-haired girl. This little girl comes up to me and says, Dad, Dad, I know you love me. Dad, do you know I love you, right? And I'm like, yes, honey, I know you love me. She's like, Dad, great, would you take me to coffee? Oh, okay, what else do you want? Whatever you want. Would you, would you buy me this? Would you buy me that? Well, well, yes, honey, of course, I love you. And why do I do that? Why do I do that? How could I say no to her? She almost, she almost got me to buy her a cat one time. That's how serious that love is. It's crazy. Why would I do that? Because I love her. Because I have a relationship with her. And when she comes boldly into my presence, I want nothing else but to love her. There are other days where she's having a rough day. You remember what it was like to be in middle school? Remember how challenging those middle school years can be? There's other days I sit on the edge of her, edge of her bed. She's got tears and she's just overwhelmed with how hard it seems life can be. And my role as dad is to sit next to her, to put my, put my arm around her and reassure her, I got you. I'm with you. I promise you we'll get through this. I got you. I'm with you, girly. We'll get through this together. This is how God wants our relationship with him to be. That we trust him enough. We're not afraid to ask him. We're not afraid to come boldly into his presence. We can come and say, God, God, would you meet me here? Would you, would you provide this for me? This is where I'm at. That we know he's going to understand. We know when we're overwhelmed and stressed, he's going to put his arm around us and tell you, listen, I promise you, I will walk through this with you. Whatever you go through, I'm with you. I'm with you through this. So the application is simply, as I think about this Christmas season, listen, the Christmas season, it's got to be one of the most busiest seasons we have. There's so many things going on, so busy. I think sometimes it's hard for us to stop and pause and reflect. So whatever is going in around you right now, whatever you're facing, maybe some difficult relationships, maybe the challenge of doing online school, as hard as that is, the burdens of your finances, the grief over loved ones who are no longer with us, the anxiety of the pandemic, whatever it is you're going through, the application is simply to give you a chance. No, maybe it's simply to give you a gift. The gift of coming and spending a few moments in the presence of God. Listen, when's the last time that you just sat in the presence of God and felt Him put His arm around you? It's the most magical, magical formula to come into the presence of God. I've got some tips for you today. Number one, to experience God's presence, number one, you've got to be still. Which means you've got to stop. 
You gotta stop thinking. You gotta stop worrying. You gotta stop trying to figure it out. You gotta stop trying to be so strong. Just be still and stop. Number two, eliminate the distractions. Eliminate this. Close your eyes. Shut out the noise. Forget the people around you. Eliminate the distractions. Number three, consider your posture. You might want to kneel right now. You might want to just open your hands up. Your posture helps your heart and soul to be prepared to, to meet with God. The last tip I can give you to experience the presence of God is when you've done those things, when you've come to the point that you're going to be still and just stop all those other things. You're going to eliminate the distractions. You're going to deal with your posture. Number four, simply just to open your heart and soul to Him. To talk to God. To pray to Him. If you're hurting, give Him your hurts. If you're frustrated, share that with Him. If you're scared, give that fear over to Him. Listen, if you are listening to this today, listen, this is simply what I want you to do, is take this opportunity in your own way, in your own style. Just go before God. Talk to Him. Pour your heart out to Him. Connect with Him. Experience His presence. Because that's what the gift of frankincense is meant for us to understand. It points to Jesus as the high priest who satisfied the justice of God by paying the penalty for our sin while extending to us God's mercy so that we can have a relationship with the holy God so that we can be sinners, but God would still come and put his arm around us and say, I love you. I'm with you. I got you. And, and Jesus, the high priest, is sitting right now at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. He is talking to God for us. And he sympathizes with what we experience on this earth. The heartache, the pain, whatever it is, he knows what you're going through. And because of that today, we can boldly draw near to the throne of God to receive mercy help in our time of